You're listening to Advancing Our Church. The first step toward parish conversion has to be the conversion of the parishioners. Uh, that's right. that's where the, the rubber hits the road. That's Father Boniface Hicks, and welcome to another great episode of Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. And I'm your host, Jim Friend, and we have another great show for you today. But first... In light of all that is happening in our world, and in light of the McCarrick Report, which has been on the news, a bright spot in my week last night was I had the opportunity to listen to a report on the Catholic Foundation of Eastern Pennsylvania in the Diocese of Allentown, and to see how it's grown over the past six years. You know, as bad as this crisis has been, it's amazing when you think about all the people who are now engaged in the Catholic Church nationally, and at such high levels, whether it be a foundation board, a Catholic school, a parish. People who were previously not engaged. Sir Winston Churchill is credited with saying, never let a good crisis go to waste. And he said it in the mid-1940s as we were approaching the end of World War II. The tree of the church, it's been pruned quite a bit lately. But there are times when you have to step back and thank God for the amazing people who have come forward with new insights and new leadership. I want to congratulate Pete Waldron and Paul Huck and the board for such a tremendous success in Allentown but also to all of you who work so tirelessly to find new opportunities to engage leaders and to share your gifts and make a difference to advance our church. And now, let's get to work. Today, I replay a conversation from last Wednesday's Advancing Our Church Live on Facebook. This week, my co-host Anna Vaez and I were joined by Father Boniface Hicks and Annie Sarlo to talk about ministry and the Pastoral Conversion Advent Conference 2020, which is slated for December, and you can find a link to register in our show notes. And so, without further ado, here's our conversation. Welcome to Advancing Our Church Live on Facebook. It's exciting to have you all here. We have a great topic today. We're talking about Advent. Who can believe Advent is right around the corner? I don't don't know know about you guys. It's obviously been quite a year, and I think given all that we've been through in our country in the last week, it's hopefully a time for healing and a time for moving forward, and also all we've been through on the world stage with this virus and the toll it's taken on all of us, not only physically, but I think for many of us emotionally, too. So I think the season of Advent couldn't come at a better time for us to kind of prepare our hearts and our our minds for the coming of Christ. But before I do introductions and we kind of get into the program, Father, would you consider starting us with a prayer? Be happy to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us a reason for our hope in the resurrection of Christ your Son. Help us to look towards that eternal Easter, even as we stand in the midst of so many difficulties in our world, and in our church, and in our own personal lives, but with confidence in your love and your grace. In confidence that you want to renew us and the whole world by your mercy, we come before you. Bless our time together, our conversation, all our viewers and listeners now and in the future. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you, Father. Appreciate it. So uh, we'll go around the go around the table here. Start with my co-host Anna Vallez. Welcome back. Great to have you with us. Anna is our senior director and in charge of our multicultural division at Changing Our World, and our frequent co-host here at Advancing Our Church. So welcome back, Anna. Great, always great. Thank to have you, you with Jim. Us. What a pleasure to be with everyone today. What a great time to be discussing, you know, Advent at this time. It 
seems like the year just flew by. Um, <laughs> Didn't it? But I've been with the company now eight years and really feel truly blessed to do this work and to be able to work with many of you out there listening to this podcast at the moment. So I'm very happy to be on board again and look forward to our discussion. It's awesome. Wonderful. And Annie, let me give you a little bit of an introduction. Annie, Annie uh, Starlow is the Deputy Secretary for Evangelization and Formation in the Diocese of Allentown. Woo-woo, my home diocese. Yay. Annie is an apostle of Jesus Christ with over 27 years of experience in Catholic ministry. Annie's also the former youth minister for the Schuylkill County region in Pennsylvania. That's when I first met Annie. And yep. boy, I was a youth minister at the beginning of my career, Annie, and it was a lot of work just to have one parish. I don't know how you did it with a group of parishes, but uh, a team. <laughs> team approach, yeah. <laughs> but uh, thank you for your ministry and thanks for being here today. Oh, praise God. My pleasure. Thank you, Jim. And Father Boniface Hicks, Father, uh, is a Benedictine monk, and he's stationed at St. Vincent Archabbey, and he's a Catholic priest. He is the general manager, programming manager, and the on-air host of We Are One Body Catholic Radio, the director of spiritual formation at St. Vincent Seminary, and the co-author of a book, Spiritual Direction, A Guide for Sharing the Father's Love. Father Boniface, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jim. It's great to be with you. And I know also, Father, I've seen you on some of your videos. You you do some of the Catholic Youth Ministry Circuit. There's some of the young adults speaking. I saw a little bit of uh, some of your talks on YouTube. You get around a little bit, do some talks. Wonderful. Thank you I for your it. ministry. You're very <laughs> welcome. My pleasure. Well, I thought maybe we'd just start. I'd love to, to learn a little bit more about the two of you uh, individually. Annie, tell us a little bit about what does it mean to be, in your vocation, an apostle of Jesus Christ? I'd love to hear a little bit mm-hmm. about that. Sure. In my vocation, so I live a private dedication to Christ as a laywoman. Jesus is my heart, my soul. He's he's my everything. So what it means to be his apostle in my vocation is to carry him to the world, to uh, participate in his mission, his ministry, to bring him to bear in souls. So everywhere that I've been blessed to serve in ministry for the past 27 years, my mission is to be a Christ bearer, to, to bring him to bear, to bring him to life in souls as his little apostle, wherever he sends me, whenever he sends me, however he wants to send me. That's beautiful. Well, thank you for your vocation and your service. It's just a beautiful gift to the whole world and certainly mm-hmm. to Christ. And in the Diocese of Allentown, uh, you're in the Office of Formation and Spiritual Evangelization. Tell us a little bit about what's new uh, in the in the Diocese of Allentown. Uh, I'm sure a whole lot. A lot's going on, huh? <laughs> yeah, a lot's going on. You know, we just, uh, Secretariat for what was Catholic Life and Evangelization, just merged with the Secretariat for Catholic Education. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's just a beautiful partnership for the two of us to come together um, with the one mission in the church, right? We respond to the missionary mandate given to us in the gospel of Matthew to go make disciples of all nations, to teach what, what we've learned at the foot of Christ, our teacher. So that's the most exciting, uh, most exciting for me now to, to be working with Catholic schools, to work with our awesome chancellor who's been on, on your show, Dr. Brooke Tachet, and working with her in setting vision and strategy for coming together with our parishes, our schools to revitalize parishes and schools and to form disciples. It's, it's very, very exciting. 
That's terrific. Thank you. Thank you. And Father Boniface, you have, as I said before we started the show, you have many, many hats <laughs> that you wear. Have you always been interested in broadcasting or is that something new? I never had any interest in broadcasting. Before becoming Catholic, I was baptized at age 21 when I was a student at Penn State and was a computer science major at the time. I started the doctoral program at Penn State before entering the monastery, St. Vincent. And then after being ordained a priest, my community sent me back to get the doctorate in computer science from Penn State. And I taught computer science in our college for a couple of years. And it became clear that my lifelong passion was not computer science. And uh, (laughs) just at that time, a, a new radio network was opening up in our area. We are One Body Radio. And the uh, developers of that really had a vision that was very monastic. It's, it's very catechetical and contemplative, and they wanted me to play a significant role in that. And my archabbot at that time was willing to let me transition from computer science into monasticism on the radio. So I still don't consider myself a broadcaster in, in the uh, pure broadcasting sense, but I can do monasticism on the radio. So, <laughs> and if... Uh, I've certainly learned a lot about broadcasting and being in the in the media world, but my primary passion is living my monastic and, and priestly life and just really trying to live the good news and, and also share the good news. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. And and you have, a, I see you also have a podcast. How long have you been doing the podcast? Well, about three years ago, a man in Pittsburgh, as a, there are a lot of mergers happening there, they went from 170 parishes down to 50 to really consolidate and with a new vision. And he kind of saw the writing on the wall and he said, well, it's because people aren't going to church and they're not going to church because they don't know what they're missing. And he said, your radio station's great, but it's a little intense. You know, it's kind of for disciples more than it's for evangelization. He said, maybe we could do a podcast. And I thought anybody that has initiative to do something, I want to do anything I can to help with that. So I said, well, probably your questions are their questions let's let's do it. You ask me questions and we'll talk about whatever. That's beautiful. I, I listened to an episode over the weekend and you guys have a nice rapport and you have a, a nice dynamic going there. So I, I hope you have a lot of success with it. It's fun. Podcasting is fun. It, it is great. fun. And you're at St. Vincent Seminary too, as the spiritual director at your other full-time job. Tell us a little bit about <laughs> how many guys do you got, have in the formation there? Well, the seminary has about 45. We have about 30 diocesan guys and about 15 monks from St. Vincent. So I'm responsible for making sure everybody has a spiritual director and I probably direct a a dozen of them personally and then form, do this, arrange the spiritual life program for them. So that's really, it's very much where my heart is. Spiritual formation is kind of what flows out of me. And if I can pour it into radio and into podcasting and into institutes and conferences and everything else, but it's all spiritual formation is, is really my heart. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about this. You have a you have a, a big conference coming up, and that's next month in December. It's called the Pastoral Conversion Advent Conference 2020. How did that originate? And uh, tell us a little bit about it. Well, another one of my hats uh, that you haven't mentioned yet is uh, <laughs> we founded an institute a couple of years ago at the seminary to kind of share the seminary with the rest of the world. So it's mm-hmm. another avenue by which I can pour spiritual formation out on the rest of the world. And then I've made friendships to pour a pastoral, intellectual, and human formation out on the rest of the world. And we recently started an initiative called Step Forward, in which we're really trying to accompany parishes on a journey of conversion, moving 
well, really developing a mission, I'd say, strategy, mission, goals, measures, to really have a parish vision for moving forward. Mm-hmm. And the Vatican came out with an instruction on pastoral conversion, and we thought, wow, the Vatican has been reading our webpage. I don't know what's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they stole all our ideas. No, we, but we thought uh, this would be a great opportunity to get a number of leaders together to talk about this important work. There's, we're doing this, there's the divine renovation, there's rebuilds, there's amazing parish, there's right. Father John Ricardo's effort, there are other, <laughs> a number of these efforts towards parish conversion taking place. And we thought, well, let's actually gather some of the experts together and, and have them make some statements and introduce people to the Vatican instruction and introduce people to the experience that the church is going through now. Wonderful. So let's talk a little bit about the season of Advent. Some of our folks who might be tuning in might be thinking could be pastors, it could be pastoral ministers, or even people in my job and Anna's job in development. How do we get ourselves ready for the season of Advent? What are some ways in which you might recommend parishes embrace Advent a little differently, recognizing this is going to be, again, just like we had a a Lent and an Easter season, unlike any other, we now are going to have the same thing for Advent and Christmas more than likely. What are your thoughts on that? Mm. I've been thinking about that, you know, and then the uh, the instruction just released by the Vatican, it starts off where it says that the parish is to be an environment conducive to an encounter with Jesus Christ. Right. And that encounter with Christ has to start with me. I have to first encounter him before I can work in the parish, before I can help parishes create this culture of encounter. For me, Advent is a time of repentance. It's a time of conversion. It's a time for us to look first our own hearts, to allow our Lord in his mercy with his compassion to reveal to us the areas that he's calling us into deeper communion with him, right? The parish is also to be the center of communion, the center of encounter, this place for community. Before I can build that, I have to live in that communion, that communio of the Trinity. So Advent is a time for all of us in pastoral ministry to dive deeper into the heart of Christ, to encounter him and to allow him to encounter us where we're at in our COVID anxiety in in our fears for the future and our uncertainties with, with the, uh, the election and everything going on right now, Jesus encounter me. I invite you to encounter me here right now where I'm at um, and bring me closer to you so that it's you that I share not my systems, my processes, my strat, you know, all of the things that we think about with pastoral conversion and, right. and helping parishes. It can be boiled down to the very, very simple thing of the simple encounter with Christ, person to person. And I think that really drawing wisdom from the church's liturgy, of course, Advent is a mm-hmm. liturgical season, and we talk about it as the beginning of the new church year. And I think that theme of a new beginning is helpful for us. You mentioned that we may be back in the same place or heading back into the same place, whatever it is. I would say, instead of thinking of it that way, let's begin again. Instead of this being the extension from last February, which is not even factually true, we have been able to come back to a certain degree. We've made some paths forward. And so if we're going to go into it, we're we're going into it in a new way. And I think the liturgical new beginning that Advent offers, which includes everything that Annie just said in terms of personal conversion, the call, the the beginning of the Advent gospel readings are always looking towards the second coming and then back to John the Baptist and that call to repentance and then welcoming the first coming, which is always in such tenderness. 
Christmas mm-hmm. is ultimately the feast of the heart. And we're moving in towards that feast of the heart where God meets us not through lightning and storms, but rather in the tenderness of personal encounter mm-hmm. and, and coming to us in the form of a, a helpless infant. So I think some of those images of uh, settling into the gentleness and mercy of the Advent season are also helpful. Mm-hmm. Anna, you've, you've described it very well. We begin with our own interior journey, but are there ways in which you could recommend that you know somebody's listening and they're they're looking for you know a tool or a a prayer or something tangible that they could work on when they're on this private journey and then this communal journey with everyone? Two things pop into my mind: silence, silence, stillness. Yeah, those two things I have have a difficult time with. <laughs> right to just <laughs> slow down and sit, yeah, and breathe and be still for a moment and in that still silence and allow Christ to encounter us where we're at, right? And to encounter him in that stillness. Mm -hmm. And their scripture, 10 minutes a day with the gospels is a very, very good starting point. Uh, Father, this is where you excel. (laughs) 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 Your your response, a little bit about Alexio Divina. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Obviously, we read scripture for content. We read scripture in the liturgy, but taking time to pray with scripture, which is really a part of our Benedictine heritage, and then has become one of the, I think, real gifts that's blossomed forth from this post-conciliar time. After the Second Vatican Council, in part because of the Constitution Day Verabum, there's been this kind of explosion of Lexio Divina, of prayer with Scripture, sure. praying with Scripture, reading Scripture in a way that is, is oriented to encountering God. And I'm always drawing Scriptures liturgically. And so we, we walk through the, the readings from Isaiah, for example, in, in daily Mass, in the beginning of the Advent season, and with also with the office of readings, I guess, from but beautiful passages from Isaiah. Isaiah is sometimes called the fifth gospel. And right. it really is, uh, Isaiah is the star player in Advent, looking forward to the coming of Christ. And as we are also looking forward to the coming of Christ, the second coming, Isaiah's prophecies, which are, you know, a, a people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. So we hear the... Uh, promise of the of the woman the virgin who will be with child who will be a sign of the the coming of the savior we hear these these beautiful calls to comfort and the the anointing of the messiah so maybe particularly with the prophecy of isaiah but in general with the the readings of the mass and following through with those praying with them taking time in silence and allowing the word to speak to us this is wonderful conversation especially today You're all on the East Coast, but San Diego in particular just found out that we've been put on a more restrictive tier. So -hmm. for the last two months, we've been able to go back to church, right? Limited seating, a seating in the court area and the parking lot. But as of Saturday, midnight on Saturday, there will not be any more indoor activities no more masses even in the church for a limited number. And now that we've had a drop in our temperature, I don't expect too many people to be going out there in the morning for mass in a parking lot. So what you're both echoing is what we all can do within our homes, you know, within ourselves. And this is really great conversation about how we can go into Advent given our circumstances. And this is perfect. So I thank you for that. Yeah. In a sense, COVID has has fostered for everybody a monastery of the home. There you go. Well said. Really good point, Annie. Yeah. 
We just have to now take the steps to fully enter into it. And that's where the challenge is. The the silence that you were talking about, you know, our pastor brought that up and it's hard. It's hard for folks to just veer away from everyday life and to find those moments of just silence, just allow the Lord to walk into our lives during those moments is not easy. Really encouraged us all to try to make the effort to try to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for turn turn the TV off. And you know, with family life, family life is busy. But if families could come together for three Hail Marys or a decade of the rosary, it's sometimes hard to say that the whole rosary as a family, that's that's the ideal. But to start to get to that full rosary, to just sit down as a family and pray three Hail Marys together. Sure. And then maybe move to a decade, then maybe move to the, the full rosary. So powerful family prayer, family coming together at this time, you know, mom and dad, uh, single moms, you know. Mm -hmm. Right. And I like that idea. You know, it's so hard for some, but just baby steps, you know, finding what those baby steps are. And yeah, three Hail Marys works really well. Instead of trying to take on the whole rosary, we start, you know, with just three or four Hail Marys. Yeah. Or like me, like I'm going to read the entire gospel of John in one night. No, just take a verse or two. <laughs> I think what baby I steps. A lot of people can can handle the baby steps piece, and as the father of three teenagers, I can tell you that would probably sell mm. a little easier. Three hail marys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At least as a start. As a start. Yeah. yeah. So, as a student in theology, we're studying on the diaconate. One of our lessons just recently was on lectio divina, and I really hadn't. I had not done a lot of it. I'll be honest with you. Uh, so, but but one of the options for the writing exercises was go through the experience of reflecting on the scripture, put yourself in that place, and and allow yourself to have a conversation with Christ. And so I did that, and then we, of course we had to we had to write about it. And I found that the the experience of that interior journey and that dialogue that I had with Christ very personal, very real. But then when I reflected it on the page. It just opened up new things in in my in my mind in in, in the in the experience and in the mm-hmm. conversation that maybe I didn't see even in the first wave of it. And as I wrote it and and I and I thought about the words and I thought about the scripture and I thought about what Christ was talking to me about that in that moment, I felt that that journaling piece was really really important. So I would just say for anybody who's listening, like if you have the time to spend five minutes in journal afterwards, you, you might really reap the benefit of that because I, I certainly found that that opened up the experience in a new way. As we start to encounter Christ in prayer, we begin to receive some infused knowledge, some infused grace. It, it has a way of entering the intellect without passing through the normal channels of the senses and the imagination and kind of being forced to bring it back out into something tangible, to put it into words and to try and express it. Sometimes helps to, to work through the the ideas a little bit and, and extend the grace. And, and certainly is beautiful also for being able to communicate it in spiritual direction or something and, and share the experience with somebody. But it's a, it's a great point. Journaling can be very helpful and, and is very much a part of the mode of St. Ignatius and the spiritual exercises that we would turn it into a real conversation, a colloquy, to use the Ignatian term. And then we would also journal some of those thoughts in order to bring to the spiritual director and see together how the how the Lord is encountering us. So tell us a little bit more about the conference. What are some of the different topics and some of the speakers that we're going to hear about? 
Well, the conference is going to take place over five days from December 6th through December 10th, and we'll have two sessions a day. Each day will have a theme, and the five themes are personal conversion, very much like uh, Annie was talking about, or initial conversion, individual conversion, but just recognizing that the first step toward parish conversion has to be the conversion of the parishioners. That's right. that's where the, the rubber hits the road, yes. is our own personal conversion. The second day is about formation. So it's one thing to bring people to an encounter with Christ. And we have some wonderful programs in the church, things like Alpha or Christ Life, that are really facilitate that personal encounter, move people into what Sherry Waddell would call intentional discipleship, or what the tradition of the church would call the purgative way. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Teresa talks about entering the, the mansions, you know, all together. But then we have to go somewhere from there. And so right. another important part of the parish is providing that integral formation, human, spiritual, intellectual formation. And then also moving into the third day, you're not Christian if you're not on mission. And mm-hmm. so no sooner do we become disciples, just look at the Gospels, then Jesus is sending us out to do things. And if we're not on mission, then our discipleship itself is not going to grow. And so the third day is about missionary outreach and how we need to take disciples and help them to be missionaries. The fourth day is is recognizing that all of that flows from the sacramental life in the parish. Of course, we generally think about our parish as the place we have Sunday Mass. And that's Mm -hmm. absolutely right. That's the font, the source and summit of all of the church's activity is flows from Mass in general and Sunday Mass in particular. That's the time of gathering. That's the real beating heart of the parish. And so really seeing how the living the sacramental life fully is what gives uh, power and energy to missionary discipleship and Mm. pastoral conversion. And the last day is going to be focused on lay leadership and co-responsibility. If there's a, well, in the same way I said, if you're not on mission, you're not Christian. And I think Mm -hmm. the Second Vatican Council really conceived, and we're still working to put it into effect. Uh, You're a great example, Jim and Anna and Annie, uh, all of you in your beautiful service for the church and, and using your own gifts in different spheres in order to support the church's mission. But how do we bring forward the church's mission? collaborating between, you know, not just putting all of the burden on the priest or all the expectation on the priest, but, and then how does the priest really engage lay leadership and co-responsibility? So those are the the five themes, and we have for each session, a teacher and a practitioner. So we want to make sure that we are teaching at a somewhat high level in terms of the church's understanding of these things, but also we want to bring it to the ground and actually ground it in in lived experience of pastoral conversion in all of these areas. Beautiful. That's beautiful. beautiful. Sounds like a great conference. We will put a link in our show notes to your website. What is the web address again, where people can learn more about the conference? Yeah, all one word, pastoralconversionconference.com. Pastoralconversionconference.com. That's exciting. So, Father and, and Annie, from your view, you must talk with uh, a lot of folks who are working in ministry around the country in different ministries. I would imagine you've encountered a lot of creativity uh, in this environment over the last six to eight months as people have adapted ministry to virtually, to individual experiences, experiences with the family. Do a couple of examples come to mind and some creativity that you've seen in, in different parishes or in different dioceses, people who have adapted uh, over the last six, eight months, adapted their ministry to serve the people of God during this, this challenging uh, time that we've been in? 
if I can plug again, the Institute for Ministry Formation. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> conference in Lent. I think that was one of the best that, that I saw. There are so many things online right now, right? Sure. Uh, conferences and just awesome, awesome. What stood out for me with, with that retreat was the incorporation of Liturgy of the Hours. Again, it was the monastic rhythm, which lay people, we don't always get to, to see that, to, to experience it. So it was experiencing the monastic rhythm. And what was a cool part of it was the lunch, the intentional community built where, you know, they used Zoom breakout rooms to, to break people out into lunch rooms. And then you just like, you know, chit chat as you would at a, at a normal conference, right? You, you have lunch together. Um, and so it just builds a, a great sense of community and also with the the teachings, there was the teaching and then the practitioner portion, the testimony. And testimony is is so, so important. People pay more attention to witnesses than they do teachers, right? We, we hear that all the time. And so that was a, a great part of it. But something that I'm realizing is the opportunity to go small. COVID is forcing us into to small groups. This discipleship model that we see Jesus, what Jesus did in, in the Gospels, right? How how the early church began was small in small communities. And so COVID is, is kind of has forced us <laughs> into that. I was like, ah, oh, God, I see what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> He's reminding us, go back to your roots, right? Yeah. Go back to your roots, how the, the church started. We want to see renewal in the church. You want to see change in the world? Then go back to your roots. And so I see a lot of that happening in the way that conferences are being hosted, the way that ministries are now online. There's a coming together of, of small groups and even people that are meeting in homes as they can with, with social distancing, it's in small groups. And what does that do? It fosters intimacy and relationship. It fosters vulnerability. It's an opportunity to, to share faith on a deeper level because you're with a small group of trusted people. It's an incredible, incredible opportunity in the church right now for growth and renewal. Just a blessing to be alive at this time, to be serving the body of Christ at this time in the history of the world. It's like, wow, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well I love said. Your positive, hopeful attitude. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to, Jim had asked what we've been saying. And one of the things that I really like in the work and my communication with pastors in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles for those parishes that have quite a few seniors that might not be so tech savvy, what I've seen them do, and, and Jim is right, pivoting, you know, just making some adjustments. But, you know, when I grew up, we had drive-in theaters. And what these parishes are doing right now is hosting drive-in meetings, drive-in masses. It's just beautiful to see how churches are making adjustments. So one of my parishes in LA has about 60, 70% seniors. That means people that are at least 70 and older, people that just might not be as well-versed with technology as you or I, but what they're doing is they're bringing those folks in cars, in vans to a drive-in mast outside, you know, outdoors so that they can participate in that way. So I, I think it's great. When Father said they needed a big screen, they had so many people donate to buy a big drive-in movie theater type screen so that well, folks could actually see the, the pastor giving the homily. It, it's just awesome to see what folks are doing back there. Um, yeah, really nice. Yeah. 
So this is our third online conference through the Institute for Ministry Formation. The first was generated by this uh, desire to share the the triduum, so those three holy days that mm-hmm. everybody most painfully felt the loss of because yes. of the, the shutdowns. And right. we traditionally at the monastery have a retreat for vocation guests. We invite them, especially for the triduum, to come and just spend the time with us as a monastic community and experience the height of liturgy. And of course, monasteries are focused, centered around liturgy. And so we really felt the loss of our vocation guests. And one of the monks said, well, let's do it online. Like, well, how are we going to do that? And we just started working through some of the things that we would want to include, as Annie said, the liturgy of the hours, trying to build community, having speakers, and then also breakout rooms. And then even with Brother Cashin, my uh, brother Monk's idea to have an Easter lunch. He said, you know, people, they're going to be people eating, eating alone for Easter for the first time. Let's, let's at least have our lunch together and we can share some graces from the retreat. And, and wow. sure enough, this is one of the first uh, of these kinds of things that I was aware of. Now it seems that all of this is a, a little bit more popular and happening more often, but mm-hmm. we had about 200 people attend. And of course, with Zoom, you know, you see everybody on the screen together who wants to be seen. And uh, we'll be doing that for our online conference as well, have participants visible to each other to really build community. I think even just seeing faces being in the same place at the same time, it's one thing to consume information and watch videos. And we certainly want our speakers to produce that kind of content that's watchable later on. But to participate in the conference, I think, builds community and to see other church leaders, others who are trying to work in pastoral conversion. But also, I'm very edified. I do spiritual direction for a lot of people, including a number of pastors. And I saw the zeal of some pastors saying, I I need to reach my people. And suddenly realizing, I don't have any communication means to reach my people. And one young pastor said, uh, got his, the the Christian mothers on the phone and said, could you, I'm going to give you, send you a roster of everybody over the age of 70 in the parish. Can you call them every day? Because they're going to feel so isolated. Wow. That's great. And then everybody says, why weren't you doing that anyway? You know, like some of these ideas emerged from the crisis and you think this is a great idea for all the time. We don't need a pandemic in order to do some of these things. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, the other thing that I've noticed are drive through confessions, you know, where the <laughs> yes. pastors are standing out in our parking lot and folks are now driving through. I think it's great. And, and guess what? They need help because there's so many people now that are taking advantage of these new options, you know? So yeah. I experienced drive through confession in Cleveland. The yeah. priest, <laughs> he had a window on the side of the rectory. There was a window that you could drive by and he had a sign on it. Honk once for not face-to-face, right? <laughs> honk twice if you want to uh, go face-to-face. So I went, I honked twice to go face-to-face. But anyways, it was just really neat to uh, just to experience their creativity. Uh, I know here in the Diocese of Allentown, one of our parishes has outdoor mass where you can drive up and attend mass. We had outdoor rosaries, just a lot of creativity. So I'm so grateful to our priests for still making Jesus available in the Eucharist to, yes. to all of us, making the sacraments still available um, and using their creativity to, to serve. You know, they have such yes. pastoral hearts. So God bless the priests watching. I just want to say thank you on behalf of all all of us. Thank you for your priesthood. Thank you for your creativity and your ministry, your hidden sacrifices. So, so grateful uh, for your priesthood. Thank you for that, Annie. I think well said. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is amazing. Father, what you said, I think 
the digital footprint of the church has gotten a lot bigger in the last yes. eight months. You know, how many, how many are now doing online, not just online masses, but so many now new online activities and new, you know, spiritual podcasts and different religious mm -hmm. opportunities. I mean, it's just incredible. And even I it think is. once we move past COVID and we're all able to be together again, I can't help but think we have been changed in some permanent way here. You know, oh, maybe I didn't want to go to that meeting before because I didn't want to drive a half an hour, but I'll jump onto a Zoom call. That's a lot easier and we can all be together oh, yeah. however frequently we need to. Or just the availability and the accessibility of a person's parish and their pastor, I think, is just so much greater than it was before. It's, it's edifying to see. I think uh, Annie's point from earlier, too, about the call to small groups and uh, oh, to yeah. support each other, all of that gets so much easier over Zoom. And it's, it's really created the option. I think we've all come to appreciate being on Zoom is not the same as being in person. Right. Being at, at mass by live streaming is not nearly the same as being at mass right. in person. Right. We've been able to distinguish the experience well enough, but it's opened up. A, there's a place for a Zoom meeting. There's a place mm -hmm. for even when the connection is is perhaps quite wide. On the one hand, we're, we're really focusing on pastoral conversion within the parish, and we don't want to merely create virtual parishes. Right. Uh, but there is an opportunity yeah. for, I think, for presbyterates, for people in similar positions, for right. friendships that span great distances to also have that connection, which would just be impossible in person, mm -hmm. but really becomes possible with some of the technology that's been forced ahead under right. the constraints or the demands of the pandemic. It's exciting to see. I love it. Annie, what you said, just a big exclamation point in the end of it, just our, our pastors, our priests have been heroes through this whole thing oh, yeah. and in uncharted territory and on everything that they've done, not just communications, but just, you know, just the, the whole pastoral ministry piece and, and trying to figure out how to do that. Like we've all found ourselves in situations that nobody's ever experienced before, at exactly. least not a hundred years. Right. And so just the courage to put one foot in front of the other and try something new has been wonderful. Well said. And you're so right about the increase of the digital footprint, Jim, just to reemphasize <laughs> that. I, one of the things that we do it at We Are One Body Radio is we really try to show a picture of the universal church. And so mm. we've been reaching out and even setting up different places, at least for an audio broadcast oh, of wow. what's happening. But suddenly, a, a number of places we were broadcasting weren't having mass anymore. And so we lost those sites. And then a number of places that we never broadcasted from suddenly are getting equipped with all kinds of things, and we have more content than we know what to do with. That's been a, sort of an exciting yeah. explosion of, uh, of availability. And, and I think even liturgically has been helpful for us. Uh, on the one hand, I've been very touched by people who really want to, they know that they don't have the most beautiful church and they don't have the most exciting pastor or whatever but they still feel a connection to their church and they wanted right. to participate in the, in the mass virtually through their own church. Other people who could float around and, you know, wanted to be in, in more beautiful places or find priests that were doing more dynamic things, but got exposed to the, the liturgy, maybe in a fuller form than they had ever experienced in their parish church. And I think that's edifying and formative. From the work that Anna and I do in fundraising and, and working with pastors uh, on offertory programs, you would talk to the average pastor before COVID and maybe 10% of his parishioners were giving online. Now I'm hearing 50, 60, 70% of the community is all signed up. So 
from a financial and sustainable perspective, I really think it's going to help our parishes plan better and and move forward in that regard too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I know our parishes pivoted very quickly yeah. to, to online giving and they see <laughs> the, the results of it. You know, it's um, mm-hmm. praise it's God. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I want to be mindful and respectful of everybody's time. Why don't we just kind of go around the, the horn real quick? Any Any closing thoughts? Father, why don't we start with you? Well, just grateful to have the time with you, Jim and Anna, and uh, all of our viewers and listeners to really stir pastoral conversion. I hope that the conference we have coming up in Advent, you know, helps to stir the pot with that a little bit, but I'd really love to plant the seed. We have we have a lot of work to do. The church mm-hmm. needs to be on mission. The church has the most important message that this world needs to hear, and it's really been entrusted to us, believers, baptized who are the ones responsible to carry it forward. So I hope our conference helps to stir some creativity and some energy, bring some people together, but I hope that it's one of many efforts and and really fosters that whole work of pastoral conversion in the church. Annie? I hear our Lord in my heart, invitation to come, come deeper, come closer, come nearer, Mm -hmm. and draw closer to, to his heart and allow him to draw closer to your heart, to enter first right into that, personal conversion uh-huh. uh, with Christ and then to go. <laughs> he says, come, come, come closer, come drink deeply right. well from my heart. And after you have drunk, now go and share that cold drink of water that you just received from my heart. Anna? I think they said it all, both of them. <laughs> and I think, Father, we're headed in that direction just with this conversation. It's been really great, and I, I want to thank you, too, for just sharing your time, your love of Christ, and who you are just with others. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for helping us take those baby steps in the right direction and for embracing that call, that call, embracing it, you know, moving towards, you know, mm-hmm. Christ our Lord. So Absolutely. thank you for that. Real quick little experience that I had during COVID as a candidate for the diaconate, you know, we we are getting ourselves in the habit of praying the liturgy of the hours on a on a daily basis. And so a couple of us, you know, we're struggling with that, just fitting that into our day and finding exactly. the time where we're called to do morning and evening prayer as as deacon candidates. And so one of my classmates, he he had the great idea. So why don't we just try to do evening prayer together every night? And at first, like every night, that is a huge commitment. But I'm like, well. I'm supposed to be doing it every night anyway. So we uh, we now have a little group of about four of us and we text each other each night. And, okay, hey, do you want to start now? Do you want to go on? And we jump on a little conference call each night and we just have that. We, we do the, you know, we do the evening prayer together and it only takes 10 minutes. And we we find that we're drawing closer to the Lord. We're drawing closer to each other and closer to our vocation because of that support. So the silence is is really important. Sometimes community is also important, finding people who will do that. And there may be somebody who's looking for that prayer partner with you. So not saying do it every day. For some people, that might be too much to have a commitment with somebody else every day. But Father, I know you live in community and and have that blessing. But even as a layperson, I've just found it to be edifying. It's it's, it's something I look forward to each night now. You know, that short time of community with my brothers who are are also preparing for this vocation. So Annie and Father, I just want to thank you for being on our show today. For those who are listening, we will have this up on on our website at advancingchurch.com. You can find the video here on live on Facebook, and uh, we'll also be shooting it up on our on our YouTube channel. So once again, uh, we'll also leave links to the conference 
and uh, contact information for Annie and for Father Hicks on our website. So once again, Annie, Father, thanks for being on our show today. Pleasure to meet you both. Thank you You so much. You too. Thank you so much. Blessings. Bless you. I want to thank Annie and Father Boniface for being on our show today. And if you found this content helpful and you'd like to continue the conversation, please join us on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. for our new Facebook Live with my co-hosts Anna Vaez and Fred Roberts from Changing Our World. Next week, we're joined by Father Ron Bagley and Monsignor Louis Marucci for a conversation on getting our parishes ready for Christmas and year-end giving. I hope you'll join us. Well, that's our show this week. Many thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and the Pottery Studios for another great show. And if you'd like more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for over 20 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful week. Take care of yourself and keep advancing the mission of our church. God bless, everybody.